So without further ado, welcome again to the journey with me day. I know where I was, this is where I am, and together we're about to find out where I am going to be. Hello everyone. So uh, I have someone very special <clears throat> on the podcast with, with uh, here with us today. Yeah. Um, he's Maoga. He's uh, one of my mentors and my benefactors. Um, in fact, the t-shirt I'm wearing on I'm wearing today, he was one that gave it to me. <laughs> Even though for him, I will not be wearing this t-shirt. Thank you very much, sir. Okay. And the 50k he sent to me yesterday. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, I and my family we use it for Christmas. Yes. Um, all right, everyone. Um, this would be tool ten on our tool series and we're discussing leadership and management. Uh, backstory, small backstory. I've always thought that I was a great leader um, or I am a great leader in several situations of my life. It's ever since, um, let's say, secondary school-ish, you know, graduated as head boy and things like that. And trust me, there are some interesting things that happened there um, that I think I'll probably talk about in later episodes. I kind of shaped my leadership mentality going into university, which is, of course, why I joined the politics, the student politics um, environment, and then um, other scenarios and situations that have made me pick up leadership roles over time. And then I experienced it in career, and I figured out, oh my goodness, this is this is so much more than we thought, right? Like, it's a different thing entirely when it comes to leading actual people. Like, this is real life where the things you do matter, like really matters. Exactly. Not to downplay student unionism in any way, but look you, shall know that it's different outside. Yeah. You get leadership in yeah. school, outside of school, it's very, very different. And I feel like um, the best person to really help us understand this concept better is someone who has experienced both sides, you know, well enough and can, you know, really share those experiences. And that is why we have George, I'm going to let him introduce himself the, the way he likes to introduce himself. There's a special way he likes to introduce himself. I know about it. But yeah, I'll let him introduce himself. However, because it's my podcast, so my rules. Um, so for all our guests, first time guests, we have the, the 30 seconds rule. Meaning, um, I'm going to give you the chance to introduce yourself, but in only 30 seconds. Um, we do this because I feel like if you have less time to talk about yourself, you drop all the, you know, flamboyant details and you know just straight to exactly what are the core things that make George George right so that's what we want to hear so you have 30 seconds of time start now all right thank you very much Olumide uh my name is George I like to say George Ayomipo exactly uh, the emphasis on the judge yeah, <laughs> uh, I work within leadership and management cutting across various management rules uh but I think more important about me uh things that I like doing I think importantly I like intelligent conversations. Mm. Like I like in- conversations that goes beyond surface level. Mm. I like guys that can uh, think and can bring out solutions from uh, things that exactly do not look like it, right? Mm. So I think if there's anything you want to take out as who George is, I think it is important that I love smart people. Mm. Does that mean that George is sapiosexual? I, yeah, I think I am. Ah, I know a lot of smart ladies in Futa. Is I know a lot of smart ladies in Futa. Uh, well, I, I know a number of them also. Uh, how many of them have you tried to get sexual with? <laughs> well, I, I don't think that I've been sapiosexual exactly means uh, probably... You know that I know. <laughs> you know that I know what sapiosexual means. I, I, I think, Answer my question. I, I think sapiosexual means being attracted to... Uh, you know, yeah. So I have a dictionary up, up there in my shelf. I know what sapiosexual means. Answer my question. So for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to continue. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Okay. Nice. Nice escape. Okay. No oh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the hope this time. Trust me, it's not going to happen again. All right. Um. Well, everyone on the podcast, thank God I just like to talk with smart people. I don't know if I'm one of them, but he's not talking to me. That's that's all I know. <laughs> that's all I know. Um, yeah. So thank you very much, George. And um, you all have you heard, as you've heard, George. When it comes to leadership and management, George is the guy. So, George, um, 
are probably here to really help me. And of course, anytime you're helping me on the podcast, it means you're helping a whole lot of other people. Um, so just put figures in your head. It's not like I'm proud or anything. But as you're talking to me, you're talking to over 100 people at the same time. Right. Yeah. So, um, so digging back, digging back all of that. And then I talked about um, secondary school, like being head boy and things like that. And I just want to run you through certain leadership scenarios and then like get your feedback on exactly what leadership means and if these things are about leadership. So we're going to go from that um, time in secondary school. Joy, everything I would say about myself will probably take me five minutes and then I'm just going to give you the floor back again. Um, so I was head boy in secondary school. However, I was not the head boy who was the most gentle, who was the calmest guy. Um, I've always had an advocative spirit from, from when I was very young. So, I mean, that has grown up with me as to see evidently. So, um, you know, I've always had that advocative. So I was, I was that head boy who was the leader of causing trouble in school. Mm. So, right. Um, however, what I had in backup was that I kind of had evidence when it comes to, you know, being an actual student, meaning going to school to learn. Don't worry, I have evidence. So it was easy to relate with the teachers when it comes to academics and stuff like that, you know, represent the school. So those are one of the things that made me qualify. However, at the same time, I was someone who also believed that people should just give their fullest. In secondary school, you kind of understand what that means. Mm-hmm. So um, now, so I'm going to put that, this question to you in that regard. Do you, uh, like, how would you describe a, a leader especially on a leader that is under a particular system like the current university system or secondary school system or any system that has some sort of authority that you also need to answer to you know how, how would you describe you know a leader in that setting what kind of person should a leader be in that setting uh, i think a leader in that setting quite clearly mm. uh permit me to use and uh, this jargon mm. would be a middleman Mm. Uh, when I say middleman, I mean someone who is sort of like an intermediary. Mm. But if you had asked me that where exactly is a leader, mm. uh, probably would be in any context, uh, what I would have said would be in one word to say probably people. Mm. Because one thing I tell, I, I like to say every time is, for me, it always revolves around the people, right? Mm. Uh, but because of the context you have framed it, uh, I think that uh, when you are in between two systems, uh, you, are, you are meant to be advocating for a sect, but you also that another leadership, right? Exactly. Uh, the truth is, I would always say that you don't use force mm. when you are under a system that is more powerful than you are. Yeah. You are In most unlikely to win. Yeah. To not win. Yeah. You are most unlikely not to win. So you must always understand how to go through mechanisms like negotiation, mm. trying to appeal to that party and all mm. of that. And you know, usually when you are under systems such as what you have just described. Mm. There are some people, uh, let me say the people who expect you to be that person that does not care about what the other system yeah, yeah. really minds, mm-hmm. just wants you to be the advocate and mm-hmm. probably uh, the the very loud leader that does not care about uh, the other side and just advocate for them. But mm. I think usually like people like that don't do very well. Mm. So in this sense, someone who is under another system who has a leader first must understand that the primary reason why you are there mm. is for the people. So whatever you are doing was being in the of the people. But at the same time, you must also understand that uh, you will not win if you do not have the support of the other guys, right? yeah. the other party. Mm-hmm. So you must do a lot of stakeholder management, mm-hmm. do a lot of consultations with people, mm-hmm. try to understand the dynamics of the exact situations, yeah. and try to play within it. Like I think that is real politics. Absolutely. I think that is real Absolutely. politics. Exactly. So, so you, you're right in that sense, right? And um, so wh- why I want us to start from these experiences and then um, get your feedback on them is because I would have told you to start to tell you what leadership is, what management is, and how it's, you know, exactly. all of that. But I don't think, I think we've heard enough of that. Exactly. You get? Yeah. We've heard enough of that. And that's why I'm using, as uh, of course, I bring my story to the podcast as plainly as possible, right? Um, so now, leadership, as you've said, in a situation where you... There's a, there's a bigger management of you that can make, make certain decisions. In fact, they can remove that power off you immediately. Exactly. Now, let me give you a scenario of what, something that happened to me in secondary school. Um, in fact, I was telling a lady friend recently about it. And very, very interesting scenario that I think really, really shaped my mindset because this happened to me in my formative age. So it really shaped my mindset moving forward about in, in, in being a leader. And there was this particular young guy, very young guy. Um, so 
it was a matter of see finish to be honest um so i think i was in ss3 of course and then there was this guy i think he was probably in gss3 or something maybe even gss2 so very young and then let's just say Anne and his sister were closer than normal let me put it that way <laughs> right and then of course um so something happened i can't remember exactly what that was but i was i think i was going to collect something from him so now i can't even remember how aggressive i was but i don't think i was aggressive to the extent where i would actually hurt anybody but i know that i really wanted to just collect something from him i remember that and um of course this is someone who we really really relate a lot because of course as i said the other sister was you know closer than normal so um so that little thing happened that day and then the second day i was called on the assembly in front of everybody and Rispa says i'm being stripped off my title as a boy so that really hit home right and so what i'm saying this is that this is someone who i feel like is close to me like okay this is like my guy again this is someone who's way like way younger than i am that you know you you feel like you have some level of seniority over authority over and then you can see we can also see how this person can actually um bypass you and go to go and meet the people that are higher than you and can have an effect directly on you so bringing that into some sort of real life situation bringing it into offices and companies um not even school right now i'm saying that there's a reason i'm saying that now you can have a situation where you are a team lead and then a team member of yours right who you're supposed to be leading there's some stuff that happens and this person goes behind you and then you know escalate the situation to people above you and then they come back and just make a decision um on you based on that particular scenario like as later how do you how do you prevent yourself from being in that kind of situation or how do you like or how do you move from that situation i'm going to tell you what, what exactly happened to me afterwards but just to get your opinion how do you think you handle that situation and then how do you how do you think you can prevent yourself from being in that kind of situation okay so uh starting from how to prevent yourself from being in that particular mm. uh, sort of situation i think yeah. there is no definite answer to it interesting because exactly you cannot you can only determine what your actions are mm. you can never determine what the reactions of people can be yeah so i exactly cannot tell how uh you reacted mm. like you said it probably wasn't even something that should warrant that level of reaction yeah but it did like you could have spoken in the best calm Uh, way manner and the person would have taken it the other way right so it means that uh if you if i'm going to say you probably uh can prevent i'll just say uh treat people with at least respect like not minding who you are not minding how above them you are even as a leader i think importantly it is good to treat them with respect so usually uh i have someone like a boss who would always tell me that it is important even if i want to ask something from you i'm not going to say give it to me i would rather say can you give it to me it is not because exactly because i have a choice in that architecture right but it wants to put some sort of respect on it to make yeah. you know that yeah i respect you exactly. and i think importantly people want that like mm. people want to feel respected yeah. but outside that i think uh, you again cannot control what people's reactions mm. will be mm. so i would say i respect them but that does not exactly mean that you would have done all possible to prevent uh, some kind of uh, high level aggression like you experienced but the other question being how do you then move away from it uh one thing i have learned also uh i listen to malcolm gladwell a lot and malcolm gladwell uh, in talking to strangers will say that uh, when people hurt you uh when you feel disappointed when you feel probably betrayed it does not show exactly your weakness because that is what we have learned uh to see right uh there's a story of uh, a man who was who seemed like he was the best spy agent of his life and all his life he has been played and the story was just to say that he wasn't bad at his job exactly what it meant is that those other people have been bad so what i like to see also is that uh, usually for us we need to be able to understand that uh when i am confronted with such situations and uh, there might be times that i might have uh the level of introspection to understand what could I have done better yeah. and i think that makes sense mm. i think for anybody in that kind of case you probably need to introspect to say did i probably 
did not address the situation better mm. or how could I have addressed it better I think mm. that is a good thing to do but more importantly I think more than wallowing in the odds of I expected more from this person mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think it is good to also look back and say uh, if I can ascertain that I think I did quite well uh, relating to this person I don't need to think bad of myself to say uh, I messed up, right? I I just need to understand that Mm. people can be whatever they want to be. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just to continue to go on from there. So that's just what I think. Amazing, amazing. So now I'm going to tell you exactly what I did in that situation. And I'll tell you how it shaped my experience in leadership in school. And then from there, we'll just piggyback off into, um, you know, workplaces and things like that. So what I did did then was um, I took the hit. I I got very, very sad, very, very bad. I felt very bad about it. I told my parents about it and, and they told me the exact word my mom used was go and deal with it. I'm like, I don't know shit, man. <laughs> I don't know shit, man. I, like, what you're supposed to do, right? And then um, I got to school the next day, still wallowing in the entire, I mean, like, especially secondary school. Like, everybody's mouth is sharp in secondary school. So imagine going from head boy to just there yeah. <laughs> so it was not very very i felt very very bad about it and of course you know how secondary school works assembly and all of that you know you're probably at the back shot prefect duties and all of that um so I, I stayed off that for about a week and then the guy started trying to talk to me again i was like what the hell man <laughs> and then he went to meet some teachers i think he the teachers were curious about what happened because the teachers didn't also know, right? The principal just thought I, I probably bullied someone and I just felt like I should not be the one doing that. And then, um, so the teachers asked, begged on my behalf. Some of the prefects also went there to come and beg on my behalf. I wrote notes, several notes, trying to explain that. I don't, I didn't do this. But again, remember that I said previously that I'm, I'm like the advocacy kind of guy. So initially, I did not expect, like, because of the kind of way I used to really... Um, talk about you know the students complaints the things that student needed i was i had principal it was always a this is what we want to do this is what we have to do kind of thing right so you know she just thought okay ah, this guy has tendencies right and i'm just a soft person and you know um so he begged and then he came to beg me eventually and i was like okay, fine we're good we're good like i, I did genuinely forgive him and forgive him we became good friends afterwards however that mindset there's there this um something like a, a should i call it i think it's, it's actually on a trauma level such that every time i was going to take a leadership role i always considered well, what's going to happen if i get stripped of this title i i always considered that thing it was always like very huge for me every time i was going to step into that role, i was always thinking about oh my goodness what will happen if something just happens i beyond my control someone bigger than me takes me out and when it comes to leadership, sometimes if you don't have anybody bigger than you, the entire team can come together and become bigger than you. Exactly. So there was just a lot of them. That, that mindset, I started school as a classroom of my department, right? I'm sure by now you know I'm no longer in the classroom of my <laughs> department. So, so that started, and this will lead into another question for you. And then I started, I continued, I started quite well actually, you know, building that relationship with teachers and lecturers. One thing about me, especially with older people, I'm one, of the, I'm one of the best at it, I know. So I, I know how to actually become close to them, become their son, all of those mm-hmm. things, right? Um, I was doing all those things right. And then that fear kicked in, kicked in rather. And then um, I, I had this friend, there's still my friend Delaco. So he experienced all of that with me. And then um, at some point, what happened at, at, at the point was that um, I was doing all of this work. I saw that it was affecting me in other areas of my life, some even sometimes academically. And then um, I feel like I was getting a lot of, I was not getting um, the kind of appreciation I thought I would get from my mates. Some of them would listen to this and be like, what the hell? But, um, but that's how, just how I felt. Now, this could have been an excuse I made up in my head based on my previous trauma. However, it's just how I felt at the time. And I felt like I was doing too much for me to be getting this and at the same time i felt like i could be doing so much more of my time actually the decision i made was is why i'm here anyway still grateful about it but like i doubt i felt like i'm doing so much more of my time rather than doing this i better just go like let me just do that that one is just my life i don't have to care about like other people right so um that would lead me to the question 
as a leader, how do you balance things such that you're not giving yourself entirely to other people in a way that it starts to affect your own personal growth, your own personal journey? Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to stop there for now. Okay, so permit me to just quickly uh, do some going back. Yeah, it. that's um, fine. So I mentioned introspection, and I think where I was supposed to tie introspection in the end to was feedbacks, yeah. to get feedbacks. I, I think you, you sort of flagged it, but I think it is important that we mention it clearly. Because yeah. I think one beautiful thing that could have happened to get also was to get exactly why the principal made the decision yeah. uh, to strip you of that title. I know that might have been that secondary school context to yeah. do that, but I think that is an important thing to do for anyone who is a leader. One of the things I learned from uh, BP debating, uh, BP debating is British yeah. parliamentary style of debating, is uh, whenever you end a round, yeah. even if you come foot in that round, one of the best things to do is to go to whoever adjudicated that round and ask, what did I do? Like, mm. what could I have done better? I think in many instances, beyond the answer you get, mm. you are creating some sort of perception in the mind of that higher authority that puts yeah. you in a better light for other times. Mm. So I think feedbacks very important. Uh, so back to the question on uh, how do you not uh, become vulnerable mm. uh, in terms of leadership? And I think that it's quite uh, very tricky because I was going to say leadership is an 100%. For me, I would always want to say that I don't think anything should be sort of 50-50. And I think that also uh, reflects in how my life exactly is. Mm. I'm either a zero or a hundred person. Like, I either do not do it at all Mm. or I put in all I can best way possible to do it. Like, many times I go with the art that I might fail. Mm. Like, I am, and one of the things I tell myself every time is, I think I've learned to handle failure quite well. Mm. At the same time, for someone who is very competitive, I count myself as someone who is very competitive because I love a lot of competitive sports, right? Ah, so for someone who is very competitive, it is quite an irony mm. learning to deal with because for someone who is very, very competitive, you should have tendencies to undo failure very badly. But I think I've failed a number of times that's made me uh, become ah well it is not just you many times I have excuses for failing like mm. and I think that is some of the coping mechanisms mm. uh, that people might probably want to adopt right are uh, telling yourself you are not stupid mm. uh, it's probably yeah. not just a yeah. good time for you good to win yeah. it, it might it might not sound very well but yeah. I think at times like these are some of the things that you exactly yeah. need so for me I think that first I would like to say for every individual uh, who is a leader I would rather not say create an echo chamber or a, a line where you'd say, I think I'm protected beyond this level. Because mm-hmm. what then happens usually is, I think the real conversations and the real happens happens outside that line. Mm-hmm. The point in which you are comfortable uh, to act as a leader, I think exactly those are the points that probably any random person would be able to also function mm-hmm. within, right? I think those very tricky situations, those situations that probably would uh, put you almost uh, in a kind of uh, situation where you cannot exactly give a direct answer to mm. probably might even affect some sort of identity mm. uh, what people think about you. I was just saying to someone yesterday, like, I shouldn't be saying this on record. I said, mm. uh, for someone who doesn't like to be in the midst of controversy, mm. it is rather funny that I continue to do politics because <laughs> politics itself is all, it's all about is, controversy. It's all about controversy. Absolutely. So for someone who is a leader, like many times you get uh, in the news for things that you mm-hmm. probably know nothing, know nothing about. about. Uh, people just want to build wrong narratives around you, and yeah. these are the exact things that you should try to do a line across. Mm. Just like you said. So for instance, as a leader, you should probably protect yourself to the extent that your name is not being robbed in the mud. Mm. But the truth is the actions that are usually the best actions to make are, are the actions exactly that, that would exactly want drag to, you. Want to drag you. <laughs> yeah. So it is almost uh, quite a very hard situation. Mm. But what I'll just say uh, that should be a line for me because I'll also say that I think there should always be boundaries. Mm. So uh, for instance, on the day of our Jumat service mm-hmm. I, I joined the Muslim guys, put on mm-hmm. my cap and Someone messaged me and said, I thought you were a Christian. And I said, yes, I am. Uh, you would wonder how this relates, right? And after that, I went back to ask myself that, 
do I need it? Did I need it to have yeah. really done all of that? And I told myself, I think yes. Mm. I think it was a very good thing to do. Then I asked myself, what is then the line? Ah, that is inclusivity, right? But at what point do I draw the line of being inclusive? Like, I have quite a number of barriers as regarding uh, 21st century ideologies, you know, understand some of the things I mean, right? And so, if I get to highest leadership, I want to be inclusive. Mm. And do I continue to uh, weaken the line because of inclusive, inclusivity? And I told myself that I think it's a value-based conversation. Mm. And I think that is where, as an individual who is a leader, you might probably want to draw the line mm. for things that goes beyond uh, your line of value. And so for, for someone like me, I would rather probably leave the position if I see that it is going exactly opposite to what my values and principles are. Mm. I think that is the point to protect yourself. Mm. I think that is the point to say, I think I can't go beyond this part because mm. uh, it then goes beyond the position, then speaks to you, speaks to who you are. I think mm. that's it. Amazing. That, that, that's really amazing. I think if I, if I heard this um, late, late 100 level, um, there are some things I would have done differently. So as I've said, we're bringing this um, into real life and then staying there this time around. Um, one thing I've learned about different politics, in fact, is that, and I used to tell this to, I think, the people in my faculty that have, who have joined politics after my time are tired of hearing this. I used to tell them, if you go right now online, I think now the search term is quite different. If you do it now, you, you probably see some, see some things that are very, very, you know, government inclined. But I think back then when I checked 2017-ish, I, I, I Google everything, by the way. So I legitimately, when I was going to start getting, like, getting into politics, how to do politics, mm. right? I mean, I had no information. So, <laughs> I mean, how, where else did I have got to be information exactly. from? So I said how to do politics and I saw, and everything I was seeing was office politics, um, how to deal with them, your employers, how to deal with your employees. And I was just wondering, I had, I had no idea then why it, they were giving me those kind of results. I just ignored it and I looked for the government part and I just continued to learn on that regard. And then I, I, I got into the workforce and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of things um, from being the guy who fuels the politics from being, to being the guy who's seeing the policies being played and I'm like, ah, and you people don't want me to join you on this game. <laughs> so, um, bring, it, bring that back to leadership. I, so in my current, in my current organization, there is no leader per se. Um, according to the, I don't say there's no leader per se, but now according to the stakeholders and managers, um, we are in a flat organization. So there's no leader, there's no rank. The best idea wins. Mm. <sighs> Uh, yeah, it's great in, in theory. <laughs> <laughs> in theory, well, that, that might be true. <laughs> it's great in theory. And then what we're actually doing is that one guy just wakes up, this is what we want to do next. But that's what, that's what everybody has to do next. And then um, you come against him on the matter. He, because this guy is actually brilliant too. He, he is actually brilliant. He gives you everything that that's going to convince you. Now, you may not actually be convinced by heart that is what you're supposed to do. But the way, by, but by the way he's saying it, you know that you cannot oppose. Like, smartly, you know that your job here is not to oppose anymore. Your job here is to say yes, boss, and just go ahead. Right? And then, mm. so, there's that. There's that scenario. So, imagine that there's one person like that. Could them also add this part? Because money is a very important factor in everything in life. Um, that's a side note, by the way. You guys write that down. So, um, Right, so he's also financing this project, so you can imagine that mindset, and he's the one that controls the money. And then we have the rest of us, the employees, right? And then, um, sorry, before the employees, stakeholders. There are four stakeholders, but he's the one that wakes up every morning and gives the direction. Again, he finances the stuff, and then there are the rest of us. Oh my goodness, they are going to listen to this and probably fire me. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I'll be I'll be rearranging my resume anyway. And then there's us, the employees. And then at particular point last year, sorry, this year, May, I told him, since we have um we don't have heavy technical leadership in this company, let me do it. Let me handle everything technical. You give us whatever idea you want to build, let me handle how we build it. Right. And then Remember, we are supposed to run a flat organization, but this, this was me asking for us against flat, meaning that let me be in charge of tech. And then we tried to do that. And then we got great results, May. 
we're getting great um, April, actually sorry, April, great results April, great results May. By June, it was looking like um, no, this particular person could not wake up the next day and actually give directions any longer because I was going to be there to say, how about we do this round? Based on what the team can do, this is all we can achieve this week. And it was looking like, oh, we are slow, we are not achieving this. So there was that. There was also this particular factor, the part I think I, I, I would yeah, probably like to hear from you more about. Um, at, at all of this, this was when I actually started doubting my leadership skills. And then I, I started seeing every other person I was working with, remember that we're supposed to be running flat. And then I started seeing some level of, um, like, I cannot conveni- con- continuously stay here if every single person on the team is not being completely plain. And actually, I don't actually blame any of my colleagues, all great people, to be honest. However, based on the structure and how we needed to relate with the management, we just could not achieve that that thing entirely where you could have someone speak on your behalf because um, if you want to continue to actually be on the good side of this of these people, you have to kind of play them that way. If you get what if you get what I mean. Yeah. So I could not also continue to stay on that leadership role and be in charge of these people mm-hmm. if I could not be the one to exactly dictate exactly what's going to be done. And then suddenly on the team I'm hearing something like, oh, um, the way it happened, I was just saying something like, oh, I have a lot of work. Ah, but on Jira, you do product management, so you probably understand this. But on Jira, uh, you only have two tasks now. We're like, ah. And then another guy on the team says, ah, how more? This guy's hand is very full, though. You don't want to know. I'm in charge of tech. How do I not know? How do I not know what is on your hands? Technically, right? I, sh- I mean, this should, be, this should be run by me. So that just sh- like showed that obvious, okay, I cannot control that situation and then I think it really got to me because I just this is a team I'm very passionate about. I'm very passionate about what we're building. So I really wanted us to get things done. So I immediately I saw that I just declined. I did not talk about it. I did not um really say and of course I could not blame my my colleagues too because I understood where the problem was actually coming from. So I just stayed away from that situation and I left it. However, at some point later down the line around September period. I got blamed again for being the one that um, chickened out of the situation. And I'm saying this again because if you remember what I said about being a clash at 100 level, I just experienced something. I'm like, I can do better on my time. And then I just moved away. So, right. So I feel like this, those were two patterns that kind of have repeated themselves. However, as much as I can give all these situations around them that feel like they have valid excuses, that is still not me completing my job as a leader at that particular point in time that i know right so those kind of situations where something happens and the environment we are supposed to lead is probably not giving you the exact conducive environment or dealing with that kind of system in the workplace and i've been kind of intentional about the stories i've been talking about because there has been a particular management who is has more power than you and then you have the other people you're supposed to be responsible for and things like that so this situation again this will happen a lot in offices if you are leading teams you are going to have stakeholders you're going to have team members so like based on on my experience and i think what you have experienced so far how do you solve all such situations to still be um you know the best leader that you can be uh well i think one good thing to say firstly is one of the characteristics of a good leader would probably to also know when to leave mm. to also know when to exit right and i don't think that that uh exactly defeats your purpose as being a leader because i think before you are a leader you are you uh also right uh because you have people you are leading i think it is also important that uh you do not just leave them uh probably without power notice or proper communication to understand yeah. what the situation exactly looks like. Yeah. Uh, I think I should mention uh, one of the, uh, I think, if not the best boss I've had, I was uh, a boss I had in Punej, mm. Mr. Shegun. Uh, Mr. Shegun was the head of strategy. Like, he's not my line manager. Like, he's very far from me. Mm. But I really admired so much the way he handled stuff. A number of times we had uh, issues that we wanted to relate 
to mm. management and the way he handled all of these stuff like but usually very amazing for me usually i'll tell myself that probably because he lectures in lagos business school because ah, he actually nice. lectures in lagos business school right so i'll tell myself i think he has a lot of experience mm. and these situations like this but for me i think that importantly and i'll taken from some of the things i've learned directly under this person i just mentioned mm. was always create uh the room where people under you can always relate with you in the best way possible. Mm. Like, I messaged Mr. Shevun just a few days back. He's out of the country now. Uh, mm. I, I'm not sure I've spoken to him about four months back. Uh, and I just messaged him uh, because we sort of had a pending conversation a time ago, but I wasn't messaging him for that actually. I just messaged him to say compliment of the season. And the reception for me was very overwhelming because immediately it took it back to who are you doing i think we should have a chat about this this and that i think for, for someone like that uh, it makes it easy for mm. people under you to be able to say oh this is how we are feeling and for you also it is important that it is it is then easy for you as a leader to say this is the way i also feel about this current situation so for you as a leader or for someone who is a leader in such a situation i think uh, one of the best things to do is to firstly make uh, those beneath you have good understanding of what the situation looks like. Because exactly if they don't, they might also see it as bailing out on them, mm. like chickening out on them, just mm. leaving them with, uh, without no family, for lack of better words. Mm. So I think it is important that they have good understanding of the present situation and why you think uh, this, 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 and this, in terms of actions, mm. are likely the best things that you as a person would be opting to this is not to change their perspective about what leadership looks like or what or how they should relate with the leadership but it's to communicate how you feel about situations so many other people might not take i think our level of taking toxicity mm. is quite different actually yeah some yes. people might be very adaptive yeah to, to it honestly handling yes. uh toxic situations but mm. for for a few of us, uh, there is a fine line that when you go beyond this, you can't just take it any longer. Mm. And I think uh, those are times that you just need to tell yourself, even if that is where you get uh, your urgent to care, yeah, right. <laughs> you should be able to tell yourself that uh, it's probably not worth it. Like mm. we'd always say, whatever takes your peace, whatever probably yeah, yeah. Uh, doesn't allow you to speak out, doesn't makes you less of human and i think what makes us human particularly is our ability to reason logically like that's what differentiates yeah. us from animals Honestly. i want to be able to speak to you mm-hmm. and you understand my point of view right mm-hmm. i don't want to just be seen as just any other person on the team mm-hmm. uh, and i think that those are the points that you might also want to say uh my guys uh my team members i think this is where i take my leave mm-hmm. i think it is a characteristic of a good leader because you don't want to be in that situation when it gets all messed up because mm. all fingers are going to point back at you absolutely you were the leader at that point absolutely absolutely this has been super super amazing and um yeah i've definitely have learned a lot um, as i said next slide is you guys hmm, take it from me or not <laughs> just don't give me soap so i think so let's bring this back to you so um what would have started with would be define leadership but based on everything i've said and these experiences and actually i want to kind of tell this to do to work for so if you can like speak generally on um who is a leader? What should a leader be? What are the kind of experiences you should prepare for as a leader? And how do you skill through them? So we can we can um, wrap up on, on that. So I think uh, in the context of work, yes, I think particularly who a leader would always be uh, first is the people, like I said, starting. And when it comes to people, I mm. think it is culture. Mm. Uh, so I think one of the things that I would see among like imagine uh imagine businesses i don't want to use the word startups but let's say startups like mm-hmm. our new world businesses you know right there's a lot of branding that comes with it mm-hmm. that sort of gives a perception of what culture looks like mm-hmm. but usually the culture is not exactly what is being projected mm-hmm. like these guys just want to the employees are not exactly happy but they're on their social media pages saying hello it's friday but they are not exactly happy right until you get into some of these organizations that yeah. you see that uh, culture is not so good i think within workplace as a leader it is very important that you engender very good culture a mm. uh, sort of culture that uh allows for and i'll continue to track back to uh, my experience i've worked in a number of places but i think my experience at 
opponent in terms of culture within the strategy team yeah. was very uh was very defining for me mm-hmm. especially as regards even if uh you are not even if your line of response like is far from like i can be the top managerial person here but i still have i still know some things about who is the least person in the organization like this guy can still walk up to me and say this is what i feel about this particular situation and i think this is what we should do i think people always want to feel it and i think like culture sort of summarizes everything under culture we can now then have like good communication like allow for open door policy where people can always communicate properly also like the truth is many people would prefer also good incentives to whatever culture exists and i think it is important also yes. pay people well yeah. <laughs> yes please as a yes. leader please yes pay people well like give them what they are worth yeah. uh, cuz truly uh, they understand what exactly what the organization looks like at times many of these people understand what the revenues look like yeah. and what they are doing truthfully is they are calculating oh how many percentages what i am getting are to do about what thing so i think it is important to engender great cultures so just before we continue the episode i was thinking about how i could give back to my listeners looking for something i can give to you as some sort of christmas gift and i think i have just the right thing um for anyone who's starting a business or starting a career one very important thing is to learn how to sell whatever value you have either you're selling yourself or you're selling a product or you're selling a service so i want to have one class where i can have about 20 30 people and teach them storytelling one of the things that has really helped me when it comes to um, copywriting sales you know getting this podcast to the amount of reach and place that it has today is my storytelling skills and i've used this to build a lot of writing prowess i've used this um, many many years ago when i was when i was into content writing and copywriting and i feel like if everybody has the basic storytelling skills, they will be able to talk about themselves well. They'll be able to talk about their businesses well. They will get more sales and many more people will be interested in what they have to offer. Storytelling is one of the um, first steps, first ways for you to get good at selling yourself or your business. So if you are interested in that storytelling class, I'm going to drop a link in the description of this episode and you can you know, register to join that class it is absolutely free and it is my gift to you my listeners for sticking with me since the beginning of the year thank you and we can head right back into the episode okay so last question just before you go so there's this thing i do it's compensation actually um, so, because of these experiences I've told you about, um, how it actually has looked like for me, well, you, you won't start to matter to me. Um, so, what I do to maximize knowing myself, knowing how I'll probably react in this situation, to maximize the chances to still get results from the team, I look for someone who can play that role quite well, who can tie down the feelings and emotions and just really focus on getting the shit done, right? And then um, I give them the directions to get it done. Um, you can look at similar thing in my department, like, like based on who's the class rep now and how we started, um, and how he started. And then same thing actually in my startup, my yeah, in my, my organization. I have myself, I have um Fola, I have um Bosu, who's product manager, and Lola, who is like our head of product kind of thing. Um, they really hold things down in terms of products, business, marketing, and then um, I give a lot of ideas. And, and in fact, they call me a raven now because. It feels like I only see five years into the future every single time. But like I give like a lot of the directions, and they just try they focus on the execution part of things, right? So, um, what do you think about that role um, as a, as as a person? Is, is that is that a role you think one can um, hold on to, or do you think that everyone should always look for ways to you know really own their thing when it comes to teams? And but yeah, what well, I think the question just we were just thinking about that that mindset that I've built and then or if you want me to get out of it um, how do you think I can get out of it? Well I I think that role is a very uh, crucial role 
we were going to take it to uh office based setting that goal is more of strategy right yeah uh, so, yeah what strategy guys are meant to be look uh beyond and say yeah. i think we should position this way this is what we should be doing next month mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I think everybody needs uh, someone like that on the team. Usually, like uh, when the teams are small, uh, you might not be able to exactly get someone who is fully into strategy. And I yeah. think that is why uh, you might need to always continue to do that, especially now that the team is still the way it is. Because mm-hmm. someone needs to be, uh, I-, I wanted to say, the seeing eyes. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right? Because even if the team becomes bigger i think it is it is a great skill that everyone should possess because mm-hmm. many times the strategy guy might not even be seeing something that you have seen uh, i think that if uh we had anticipated that our current economic trends are going to be the way they are at the moment probably organizations would have positioned themselves better for it positioned yeah. themselves better for it and i think that it is a great skill everyone should have i would not say probably a few persons should have but it is i think it is quite uh a rare skill mm. that you would find in people also mm. that is why uh probably in a team of five you would only have one person who can uh, very clearly conceive mm. what uh future Happenings might look, look like, like yeah. and say these are the steps we should take. Mm. So I think that it is a skill everyone should push to have. Mm. But in cases that uh, we don't have uh, everyone on the on the team probably uh, equipped with such a skill, whoever is on that team doing that, it is never too much. I think it is never too much. Like it can never become. Uh, it, it cannot be overemphasized. I think mm. that is the word. At the moment that, and I think that those are the way best teams are built best products are built mm. uh i wish i can look into 20 years from now yeah and yeah. see what we would need yeah then. i'll start building it I'll now, start building it now. Be hot. <laughs> we'll, we'll become the next hello <laughs> so amazing. i think that is it amazing I, I promise i'll be last question but as you were speaking you mentioned something that that um, i think um we should just probably wrap this up on god's willing <laughs> if you don't say something interesting again which is when it comes to no, I'm not doing too much and it comes to actually how you feel as a leader you know yeah how you feel as a leader so um how do you suppress or if you if you don't need to suppress how do you just like you know not focus on your own emotions and your own feelings as they are, or how do you not let that you know direct how you how you you know express it to your team members basically how do you manage emotions as a leader well, uh, I like to tell people that I think as humans, uh, we are rather more emotional than logical. Yeah. And many times we think we make logical decisions. Mm. But one of the best marketing uh, strategies is to appeal to people's emotions. Yes. Uh, people usually do not <laughs> yes. do not reason with their head. Mm. We oftentimes reason with our hearts. Mm. Like we like to be emotionally connected. And what that means is that in our relationships with people, mm. it is almost impossible to eliminate that emotional bias absolutely. Okay. Like, it will always uh, play out. But I think as a leader, it is one thing also that okay. we need to take note of. Because the truth is, the moment you are being emotional about decisions, like there are high tendencies that you make the wrong decisions, right? Yes. And I think that uh, it is something, like I said, we cannot, uh, we cannot eliminate but we also might try to uh, reduce the tendencies of making such kind of decisions. And I think the best way to test uh, such things is to always ask yourself when you make a decision, like, mm. is there a better decision that could be made? Like, is there a better thing that we could do? The moment you are seeing that you are doing something, probably because you don't want to hurt someone or you don't want to get on someone's toes, but you think, or you think it is going to appeal well to someone somewhere, then you are being emotional. Once there is a better decision or a better route that can be taken, that is the logical thing to do. It might not always be the best outcome, but I, I do tell people, I say, when I make decisions, I try as much as possible to make decisions with the current data that I have now. Mm. Like, I'm just making it with the data that I have now. I might come back tomorrow and say I was wrong. As a result of the data I then have tomorrow. tomorrow. But the yeah. decision I'm making now, I'm trying to make it with regards to the data I have now and to make it as accurate as possible, as logical as possible. But a few times also, I think uh, as a leader, you might try to balance or mix both. Mm. There are a few times that uh, you don't want to be absolutely logical 
person. Like people do not like such people. People that are only highly principled. I don't want to say being highly principled is not is not bad. But people have coined it. Like I think there is a sort of I think I'll call them people that are strict, overly strict. Uh, they do not exactly turn good leaders because what exactly happens with people is we are built to be defensive. Mm. So when you approach me in a manner that is uh, in, 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 in a manner that uh, is quite aggressive as human, I would put on my defensive armor. Like that is the way people are originally wired to do. Mm. What then exactly happens is they are not willing to give their best to whatsoever you are doing. And I think that is the problem uh, people that are overly logical also have. You have to be very There are times you just need to understand that, oh, I think you should always come to work five days in a week. But where you stay is far. Mm. I think you can just do three, three days, days in a week. week. Mm. The logical thing to do to maximize productivity is that that person comes to work five days. But because you want to be empathetic as a leader, but then say, I think you should do three days. I think people function better under such kind of leaders. Leaders that have a fine mix of yeah. being logical and also um, appealing to people's emotions, emotions. understanding people. Amazing, people. amazing. Thank you very much for this. I think it has been such um I don't have the word to describe it to be honest. I don't have the word to describe it because it's, it's way more than, than I envisioned and I unexpected. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for, for this opportunity. So yeah, I've come to the end of my curiosity. <laughs> I have all my questions answered. I hope you guys have too. And so I think um, just to wrap up, if you have any final words, so maybe some things that you had planned before now that my questions have not got into generally. Um, so on, on that topic of leadership um, and management, of course, as I said, tailored to workplace because I mean, I care about y'all that are still in school too. But trust me, if you understand how to deal with leadership at work, you can you can do it anywhere. So um, yeah, what would be your your last words? I think my last word would be that, and uh, I've continued to learn time and time again. And one of the best skills to take up as every individual is people. How mm. to manage people? How to deal with people? Uh, I read a book one time ago, How to Win Friends and and Influence People. And that book left a good impact on me Mm. because I learned a number of things around that that people want to feel good. (laughs) People always want to feel good. And I think it is one uh, important thing we always always need to sap in. That does not mean exactly that you become people pleasers. Mm. I think that there is a fine line between making people feel good and becoming people pleasers. Like one of the least things I, I would want to become like in my wildest dream is to just be doing things to please people. Mm. But exactly, if I can make you feel better with my words, I would do. If I can say things better in a way that would not hurt you, I would do. Because I think that's one of the best things to do uh, or one of the best skills to have as a human is people management. Like you'd really go far doing that. Amazing. There you have it, guys. Manage people and you lead better. Um, so thank you very much, George, for um, putting these thoughts together. I, I don't think I would have made an episode of leadership on my own alone to be this good. So thank you so, so much. And thank you very much. Olympia. I look forward to bringing you back to the podcast at some point in the future. Trust me, it's going to happen uh, because I've said it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, George. And that's a wrap.